You are listening to a special series of SPU Voices podcasts featuring our music faculty. Amanda, why are we doing special podcast episodes? Because of Behold, a Sacred Sounds of Christmas virtual experience coming to your home December 12th. It's a fully produced Christmas special featuring some of our most talented professional alumni musicians. How can I sign up for that amazing event, Amanda? At spu.edu backslash behold. And Amanda, who can I thank for putting on this event? Let's thank all of our sponsors, especially U.S. Bank, our presenting sponsor. Amanda, why is it called Behold? I am so glad you asked. If you read the nativity story in the Bible, you will see the word behold quite a few times. Usually it's when an angel of the Lord comes and talks to people and says, stop what you're doing. What I'm about to tell you is going to change your life forever. So we ask that same question to our musicians. Tell us some of your behold moments where God stopped you in your tracks and changed the course of history. And boy, did we get some great answers. I'm so excited to have beheld this event. Now behold the SPU Voices podcast. Conductor, violinist, composer, pedagogue, and musicologist, Christopher T. F. Hansen enjoys working with a large variety of musicians and educators in multiple communities from around the world. As a violinist and composer, Christopher Hansen has premiered several works in multiple genres and serves as the chief arranger and first violinist of the Sacred Ensemble with Dr. Shana Mischeko. Christopher currently serves as assistant professor and director of music education and orchestral activities at Seattle Pacific University. Christopher, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Tell us about your journey in music. How did that lead you to SPU? My goodness. So there's, there's so much to be said, uh, but I will limit you and, and sort of save you from the long versions of stories. Uh, I have been so blessed to have so many incredible experiences in music. It has, although it might seem cliche, been absolutely transformative in my life and, and brought me into higher education, uh, not as an educator, but firstly as a student, as someone that considers himself a lifelong learner. And it, it really was somewhat divisive, if I'm being totally honest. So I grew up on the southwest side of Houston in Texas with a single mother who is just one of the most extraordinary people that I know in my life. And uh, we, were, we were living in a pretty tough neighborhood. And uh, I found out much later, several years later, that my mother had introduced me to the violin, which uh, was a sort of an instrumental music program that was available at my intermediate school, because she wanted me to just stay inside and become sort of a hermit. She didn't want me playing <laughs> in the apartment complex and kind of running around with my friends. And she thought, how can I get him tied up with something that's not going to cost a ton of money that could be, you know, a, a something good for his education. And so she enticed me. And as all parents, I think, do very well. I don't know when this training happens, but she used reverse psychology to sort of introduce me through Vivaldi's Four Seasons to this instrument called the violin. And by the end of my summer before my sixth grade year, I just was chomping at the bit. I had to get a violin and learn it. And I studied my violin all the way through public school, sixth through 12th grade, um, and was, I tell my students, just sort of the uber orc dork, which is a badge I wear with pride. I was the president of the orchestra in high school and our concert master and just loved music. 
but it was not necessarily something I was going to study in college. I had applied originally to go to college as a poli-sci major. I was very passionate about social justice and seeing change in my community and being a part of that. Did a lot of volunteer work and wasn't a great student. I'm a first-generation college student. My mother and father um, didn't graduate high school, and so I was excited at the prospect of going to college. And when I didn't get in, because I didn't have great grades, I wasn't a fantastic academic student, um, I was really distraught. And lo and behold, uh, through the grace of God and some extraordinary educators I was working with, I was given the opportunity to audition for Texas Southern University, a historically black college in Houston, Texas. And I was offered a scholarship and I thought, okay, don't go to school or go to school and receive a scholarship and get to study music. And like most of the artists I know, I you know, said, well, I'll try this for a year. Like I'll go for a year and I'll see how it goes and it'll be a great way and then I can transfer somewhere. So lo and behold, four years later, I graduated with a bachelor's of arts in composition and knew that I was going to be making music the rest of my life. Um, went on to grad school and studied composition and studied conducting and education and ended up leaving grad school sort of determined that I wasn't going to teach in public school because I knew firsthand from friends and colleagues how difficult it was, but had established a community music program in Central Texas and helped get a string program restarted in the community I was living in. It had been dormant since 1957. And so this was back in 2011, uh, petitioned the school board and helped to advocate to get the program started up. And similar to my journey into college, I thought, well, I'll do this for like a year. I'll I'll try this for a year and, and support this program. And eight years later, I had been teaching the middle school and high school orchestras in Central Texas and just absolutely loved it and recognized, again, God's calling in my life to be an educator. And it was definitely one of the more difficult decisions that I made, but there was uh, lots of prayer and, and lots of advice to see if I was ready to make the transition into higher ed. And I, I still believe and I'm still very passionate about social justice and the transformative power of the arts in our communities. And I wanted to see a real change in public schooling and music. And through, again, lots of guidance and mentorship, I realized I could be a part of that change if I was teaching teachers. And so I, I sort of heeded that call and thought, maybe I have the opportunity to, to prepare future educators for the field and share my experiences. And it was so serendipitous. Uh, to be brutally honest, I had never been to the Pacific Northwest, had never been to Seattle. And I had sent out all of my applications. And sort of at the last moment, I had, like most people do, anybody that has been through the job hunt, I had all these Google alerts for when jobs would get posted. And uh, I got this Google alert that there was a job posted in Seattle at Seattle Pacific University. And I thought, let me look at this. It's a liberal arts college, which is something I I wanted to apply for. It was a Christian institution, which I thought was amazing. And they wanted someone that could be the director of music ed and conduct the orchestra. And I was looking for that. And so it was like most people that answer, you know, to God's calling. It was like, this is it. This, This couldn't be more obvious if he came down and tapped me on the shoulder and started filling out the application for me. So I I filled it out and was so blessed to make the final round of interviews and was offered the position and moved up here with my family, my incredible wife who made the journey with me and my two children. I have a five-year-old daughter and three-year-old son. And we have definitely realized we were meant to be in the Pacific Northwest. We just, we love it up here. The, The weather and the communities that we're being involved with, it's just extraordinary. So needless to say, 
uh, reluctantly, I can, I can openly admit that music is a huge part of my life. And I feel so blessed to have come into music and education in these unique ways. Well, I can, we, we share one thing in common, um, probably more than one, but the thing we do share for sure is being raised by a single mom who did a lot of sacrificing to let us be artists mm. and be in the arts. And so I'm just wondering as you, as, as you're a, a dad and a teacher, if you think that um, really that, that's, that fairly unique upbringing, does that shape how you teach your students? Oh, definitely. You know, one of the big things is being a first-generation college student. Uh, I really strive to make sure that all of my students know, not just the students that I have that are pursuing careers in music education, that all of them understand how important education is. I mean, how liberating it is to, to come into an environment in which you do not know things and to be challenged to understand the world in new ways through collaborating with others, through hearing others' experiences, and, and really reimagining what the possibilities are in your life. When I was growing up in Houston, there were a lot of things that my community ex, you know, expected to be predetermined. Um, I remember distinctly, this is a story I tell often, I remember being on my bus heading to school with some friends, and I was in seventh grade, and the, the local paper had published this report where they were looking at crime statistics and demographics in our neighborhood. And it specifically had targeted uh, poor white citizens in our community were statistically at the highest risk of committing a crime, usually related to drugs, and ending up being incarcerated. And a lot of my friends were kind of circulating this paper and going, wow, I can't believe this. And they said, well, watch out, Chris, you're next. And I, re I remember seeing that and saying, you know, I, I definitely later in life can appreciate the importance of uh, statistics and the importance of da data like that to better understand how we can serve communities. But I also remember how insensitive it was and how condemning it was to sort of see that and, and have this path laid out for me that like, yeah, this is what my community expects from me. This is what data is showing. And how can I combat that? And I was invigorated to get into school and find opportunities that were not available to me if I had not been in a public school with nurturing educators. And music happened to be the thing that I got tapped into, um, really the arts in general, because I did theater and choir and music and all kinds of stuff through middle school and high school. But I, I remember recognizing at a really young age that the things that my teachers were doing for me, the opportunities that my mother supported me taking advantage of were only accessible to me through public education. And so when I'm preparing future educators, I try to communicate that story with them and I, I try to make sure that they understand the significance of what they do. We bring people into our classroom from all types of backgrounds and we challenge them to, see, to empathize and to see the world in ways that they're not used to seeing it. And for them to recognize how complicated the world is, it's not simple. But that complexity generates such a beautiful opportunity for us to, to create community with each other. And I believe the arts is the best way to do that. That music is this incredible unifier that brings us together, whether we're making music or listening to music. It's just such a great opportunity to learn with each other. And yeah, it's, it's something I talk about with my students quite frequently. Yeah, I, I have a very specific memory of a student in my office right before she was about to graduate 
virtually in tears because she had gone all the way through school with this goal of a very specific job, a very specific mm. role. And the reason she was upset was because she was realizing she actually now had bigger dreams and it's a little bit scary to not know what's coming next. Right. And, yeah. and so really just that, that eye opening that, Oh my goodness, I actually have much more potential than I thought I did. It was scary, but wonderful at the same time. And, you know, it's what I pray for, for all of our students. It's amazing to witness students that, that finally realize that they have dreams uh, in contrast to so many students that have been dreamt for, if that mm -hmm. makes sense, that, yep. you know, they're, they're coming into school because their parents or their family or their friends or the community they're coming from has dictated these expectations that this is what you're going to do. But it is truly a magical moment. I know we're, we're speaking in so many cliches, but it really is extraordinary to see that in a, in a student's face that they recognize, wait a minute, I, I am in control of my life and I have, I've been opened up to these opportunities that wouldn't have existed otherwise. And my curiosity is what gives me these opportunities and these resources are what allow me to achieve the things that I strive for. And I love that for them, for them to break away from tradition, for them to break away from inheritance and create their own path. It's just such a beautiful thing to witness. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. I know you've only been a part of a couple of Sacred Sounds concerts now, um, but what are your special memories around the Sacred Sounds experience? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I think I can say with a relative amount of confidence that I'd never really participated in an event like Sacred Sounds. I mentioned earlier, I feel so blessed to have been a part of so many different musical projects and performances, but it's it's extraordinary to be at an institution and to be a part of an event that not only appreciates and accepts the very rich cultural and religious heritage of the repertoire that we get to celebrate at Sacred Sounds, but really requires that all of the musicians and conductors and production team recognize that this is an event that is rooted in faith and in a religious concept of our world and our lives and so it, it has this sort of heightened meaning in everything that we do. I mean, it, and it's not to diminish the significance of other performers, other conductors, or even the other events that, that I've been blessed to participate in. But I distinctly remember last year getting to uh, conduct in Benroya Hall and do the big hymn sing. Everyone in the audience was singing and immediately being overwhelmed by the fact that everyone was there everyone was making this joyful noise to the Lord and, and lifting up this praise to God. And it was so amazing because at that moment, it was no longer just music. And I, and I don't say that to be condemning. It's not to say that you can't have significant experiences with music alone, but to be involved with an event called Sacred Sounds, where we're, we're examining and look at this repertoire in the classroom and in our rehearsals and talking about where it comes from and who's written it and the significance that it has in our lives, and then sharing that experience through performance with others, and then inviting them to be a part of it, not just as listeners, but performers themselves when we go through these hymns. It was so extraordinary to experience that on such a large scale and, and to know, sort of be humbled by how many people are involved in the production and how many people have invested themselves into making this event happen every year. I would absolutely agree with that. 
so, so much fun to be a part of it. Well, everyone that comes on our little podcast here, we end with the same question. If you could have everyone in Seattle do one thing differently tomorrow that would make the world a better place, what would you have us do? I would encourage people to connect with someone in their daily life and share music with them. Whether it's just a playlist or they tag them in a YouTube video on social media to share some music that you listen to on a daily basis with someone that you don't usually engage with in that manner. I think I have discovered in my own life that our musical tastes and opinions speak volumes of our character and who we are as human beings. And again, there is no judgment or condemnation in that. I'm sure there are some things in my playlist that would shock people, but it is a part of who I am as a human being. And I have experienced transformative uh, events in my life when I am being challenged to listen and consider something that I wouldn't usually do otherwise. Uh, I remember particularly it was in my second to last year teaching in high school and we were getting ready for our summer break and we spent our last class on my music appreciation course uh, creating a playlist and every student in class had to offer a song and we wrote the playlist on the board and it was extraordinary to see the diversity of artists from so many different genres and what was magical was the conversations that came from it. So it wasn't just that someone would offer a song, but you would see students connect with each other in new ways to say, I didn't know you knew about that artist or you listen to that music. Oh yeah, my father introduced me to them and I love them. And it was, I mean, every genre, every type of music. And it was amazing to see that the connection that that music brought. I really do believe that if more, if more citizens in any community had the opportunity to connect with each other and found a medium in which they could do it, without bias or pretense, and I think music is one of many avenues that can do that, to sit down with someone and say, I want you to hear something and I wanna know what you think about it. Even if that person says, oh my gosh, I can't stand that music, how could you listen to it? You're engaged in a conversation about something external that's brought to you together for a very intimate and important moment. And just for that brief moment, you start to begin to understand that everybody has a subjective opinion of the world, everybody's experiencing it in a unique way, but we can still come together and have conversations and appreciate how diverse the world is. In this case, through the arts, although there are so many other examples that are worth, worth offering, but that would definitely be something I think could change the world in a positive way. Sit down with someone you know and just share your playlist. Have them listen to the stuff that you like and listen to the things that they like. All right, I'm in. Anyone who wants to sit down and compare playlists, you just let me know. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christopher. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. And let's end our time together with a prayer of blessing. May the Lord bless you and all you put your hand to. May the Lord be gracious to you and all who hear your story. May he bring unity to our community and peace to us all. Amen.